0: If I can identify usage in my team that they already adopt tools, that's the best way to do it. So I build the process. Then I see what would be the methodology to, to, to operate around that. And if needed, I implement a tool. All the tools today or the SaaS that have any freemium or free trial or whatever, these one are the ones that will win.
1: Welcome to the Revenue Discussion Podcast. This podcast aims to inspire and educate the newest generation of revenue leaders on various subjects related to sales, marketing, revenue operations, and customer success. Every week, we invite an inspirational guest who is willing to share his or her insight, strategies, and tactics that has worked or are still working for him or her. Today, we've invited Andrea Balducci to the show. If you don't know who he is, he's head of revenue operations at SortList. SortList is the leading EU B2B marketplace for service providers, such as marketing agencies and the like. And what I particularly like about my conversation with Andrea is that we have unpacked the role of RevOps. And I don't know if you know what RevOps actually is or revenue operations actually does, but if you're curious, listen carefully. And especially if you experience a lot of inefficiencies and misalignment in the different commercial departments. Welcome, Andrea, to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, <laughs> as I said,
0: yes, it was Deloitte Fast 50, so I'm a little bit tired, but uh, excited to be here.
1: <laughs> that's awesome, man. Deloitte 50. And so, what does that mean? What did that bring you?
0: Uh, well, uh, some I think networking, uh, that's really... Uh, great there, Uh, met some really nice uh, startups, scale-ups in Belgium. Uh, That's the most interesting part. But uh, back in time when we, I think uh, when we won the prize, because this year we didn't win the prize, but we were among the fast 50, I think the most interesting part is the employer branding. So people started Mm. to apply to our company. Uh, They were really interested by our company. So we had so many talents coming knock uh, at our door and that was uh, really cool. That was the biggest impact that it has in our company back in yeah. Time. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, in times where war for talent is uh, on fire, I think that's pretty uh, pretty cool to have. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, Andrea, I'm super glad you're on the show because you have been doing uh, the sales at Sortlist, then you became kind of the VP of sales for Sortlist. Now you kind of moved towards the RevOps uh position, revenue operations, and you would be I mean you are my first guest uh coming from that revenue operations position. So I have a bunch of questions for you prepared. But mm-hmm. first, before we start with that, uh can you introduce yourself a bit? What have you done? Where do you come from? Um and also maybe tell a little bit more about Sortlist.
0: Sure. So me in two words, I'm um, Italian Finnish. Um I born in Italy, grown up in Brussels, uh, which is home today. And uh, I went to European school. Then I, I did Solvay as a business engineer. And um, and actually, after that, I traveled uh, for a few months in Argentina. And when I came back, I I one of my friends, uh, Nicolas, uh, told me, where are you working right now? And I said, mm-hmm nowhere, I just came back from, uh, let's say, some backpacking and he actually uh, asked me to come to the office to present me what they were working on. And they started six months previously. And that was called Sortlist at the time. And it's still called Sortlist. And this is how I joined uh, Sortlist that basically uh, it's a B2B marketplace um, for marketing, advertising, creative agencies. so basically, what we do is we simplified uh, the process for any companies to easily search, find, uh, compare uh, service providers um, to uh, accelerate this this uh, this process. Normally, it takes weeks, months to find the right social media agency, a mobile app agency, and so on and so forth. So. We are an aggregator of data that really can simplify the, the choice between this jungle of providers. Uh, we help you get the one that is the best for you, for your budget, for your needs, for your industry and everything based on data, AI, algorithm, but a lot of human as well, because we are 140 mm-hmm. today, uh, le- European leader wow. in the B2B reviews and matchmaking platform. And I think what's brought us there is definitely the human part, um, because we, we attach a really important, uh, uh, let's say process to, to, to human touches. We don't do automatize everything. We, we really bring the the customer and we help him throughout the journey with a human approach.
1: Mm. And maybe a question you get, uh, a lot, but how many agencies do you have then on uh, the shortlist platform?
0: Um. The vanity metric would be 100,000 that w- there are listed there. There are even more than that. Uh, okay. How many are being, let's say, claimed? What we mean by claim is that people really came and say, I want to take possession of my profile is around 45,000. Uh, but regularly, we, we work, I would say, with thousands of active agency every every month. So that's kind of massive. And that is massive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think we will have to do a second episode, Andrea, with the the evolution. How did you start it with sortlist and how did this evolve? Because uh, I think that's super fascinating, super interesting stats Mm -hmm. there. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can uh, can learn from the sortlist story. For
0: sure.
1: But today we are here to talk about revenue operations. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people, you know, may have heard the term before revops revenue operations but i don't quite can you know define it or know what that means so can you maybe in your own words kind of define uh, or give a definition uh, to what revenue operation is
0: yeah and um, it's it's not an easy one to be honest because it's a ever defining uh, word uh, department system um, but i know that in the us is kind of kind of mature in europe is is getting started and growing a little bit this uh, this trend. Um, I start to, I, I love to start with the why and how and what. So I think why it exists and we can define it as a department or a role. Uh, it exists to improve the revenue team. So marketing, sales and customer s- success, uh, team alignment, productivity and impact. So I'd like to say, how can I help the revenue team to do their job better, faster, stronger by removing friction when there are there is friction. Um, how do we do it is mainly, if you have to re- remember about something is we, there are three pillars and this data to bring insight to these teams. Uh, there are processes because that's something that helped to scale this team, to remove friction, to, to go to repeatable uh, things that works and definitely uh tools people think a lot of tools when they think about revenue operation uh and you you can think of crm marketing automation this kind of thing that are the basics the pillars of how you can then deploy uh uh, your your strategy ops strategy and finally what it is what do we do on the day-to-day basis is um is can be from crm administration you have to Add some attributes. You have to sync some attributes. You have to uh, build some dashboarding. Uh, but lately, I, I've you have to build workflows. Um, but lately, I've been working a lot on the pricing aspects. So business modeling, freemium, um, uh, what else is like self served? Uh, this kind of thing that helps at the end the company grow faster without always needing more sales if i if i can express that uh in that way is a, a product like draws this kind of thing where you really try to enable uh some motion and some um dynamics in the in the in the product per se that don't always need to go through a sales cycle to sell your product
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and
0: uh that's pretty much it there are many other things like forecasting managing the the tool stack and so on and so forth, but uh, yeah, that's recap it pretty well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's very interesting. I also, but be- I'm also a big believer in the theory of constraint, where the idea is that you have to discover what the bottleneck is of any system so that it can mm-hmm. grow further. And so I think that's mm-hmm. kind of also the, the the responsibility of a of a revops, right? Really finding those bottlenecks, that friction, yes. as you said, and uh, remove it so that yeah, anything can uh, can continue and grow. Exactly. All right. Yeah. I, I think a question uh, a lot of people might be asking themselves is that what is then the role of a sales enablement person? Because I saw, I mean, there, there sound to be uh, a lot of similarities, so what is to you like the biggest difference between a sales enablement person and a rev ops? Mm,
0: good question. I, I think if we take uh rev ops, as I said before. It's just a matter of scope, right? It's more, I, I help marketing sales and, and customer success. I try to make them align because they are the, the same goal. And so it's for generate revenue. Uh, if I take sales enablement is more, I would say under the sales ops, uh, let's say hub. Uh, and for me, sales ops integrate, uh, have, for example, uh, sales enablement, maybe sales tooling and how you have a sales data, uh, inside, but. So for me, you have sales ops and then below you have sales enablement. So it's more a, a hierarchy uh, matter. So that's first point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Second point, to be honest, I we don't have any sales enablement at Sortist. Um, today, the sales manager are kind of doing this sales enablement. But if we had one, his main responsibility will be, um, first of all, content. Uh, okay, sales assets, meaning how can we have the best sales decks ever? How can we uh, build the best customer uh, customer stories, uh, success, customer case studies, and so on and so forth? That's the first aspect, really. How to make sure that all the sales don't have to build their 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 deck. The sales enabler is there to to provide them all the content that will enable them to sell better. Sell better. Uh, the second hub would be rather more the knowledge management. So how to make, and it can be really wide. So objection handling, uh, oh, um, mm. there is a new feature, new product. How can I uh, help the sales team be aware of everything about this new feature, the benefits, the advantage of these benefits, how to sell this f- feature, um, or oh, the benefits out of this feature, even better. Uh, yeah. And last but not least, is responsible also for the onboarding of these people, of the salespeople. So the manager, the sales manager is there to coach their the day-to-day, the field, uh, and yeah, push the team to go above uh, the 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 limits, whereas the sales enablement is really there to onboard new persons so that the can the sales manager can then take over from that. So is is there to form uh, train this new person that comes, and in company that scale fast, you're you better uh, to have a sales enablement. Otherwise, you have your sales manager that is too much focused on the newcomers, but doesn't take time with the the people that are mm. on the field on every day, right? So this is a big complement of a sales uh, manager for sure, and it it really alleviate. I mean, it helps him to get less job in his plate. Uh, by removing the content, the, the knowledge and the onboarding of new sales.
1: Okay. Okay. No, uh, interesting. And you also immediately, uh, framed the position of the sales manager and, and what his role kind of is. Um, but I'm also kind of interesting in, in your experience because you started also kind of the head of sales at Sortlist, but then mm-hmm. move away from that position and went into, into RevOps. And so what was for you the, I, I mean, it's probably a, a very personal question. But what was for you then the reason you, you moved to, to that position and not stayed in head of sales?
0: Uh, good good question. Um, I think that from day one it was back in two thousand fifteen. Uh, I did marketing roles at the beginning, and then at certain point we started to have some operations. Uh, because we started to add a form in the in the in the website and people leads start to come right and we had to manage those leads and uh, we started to build operations so the process step one step two what do we do about that so i was the first sales to to manage all this Uh, but as i was the only one the big issue i had is how can i demultiply myself because there was so much volume that i needed to try to automatize stuff to to systematize stuff and so on. So I think back then I was already doing this sales operations uh, job. Uh, I implemented Opspot, I implemented Intercom, uh, I started to to automatize things so that I don't have to run everywhere. Uh, And I think it started already there. I wasn't in my as my background is business engineer, I kind of uh, I'm more an engineer of the sales or the business than the the, the the manager that is on the field and coach the sales to do a better job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. so that start from there. Um, and yeah, and little by little, I think, uh, two years ago, exactly. Uh, I talked with the CEO and, uh, and we said that we had to create a new department. Uh, I brought up this idea actually because uh, I think the CEO never ask. came with that. Say, oh, we should build a sales operation role, right? But uh, they said, actually, I'm doing already that without formalizing it. But mm. I read a lot of document, a lot of uh, uh, blogs, and that. I said, this is exactly what I do on a daily basis, and this is what I like to do: uh, systematize, automatize. Uh, uh, data processes, the tools, and so on. So I think I need to 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 do that, to grow that, and to to yeah, to make it a success. And yeah, to make honestly, it it's not easy because it's uh, today you have a big departments that are marketing, there are sales, there are products, engineering, and obviously ops comes a little bit like a, a little bit in between. Uh, all these, but it's not an official kind of department and it's an enabler. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's to back up these teams, right? It's to support mm-hmm. these teams. You don't, you're not uh, in contact directly with the customer, but your customer is the sales team. Your customer is the marketing team. So you're kind of a internal consultant where you have to prioritize what is the most impactful project that you have to build for this team to Remove that friction, Mm -hmm. grow revenue, this kind of thing. But big scale, uh, big scale projects. But uh, I think does it make sense? Does it answer your question?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the part of the reason why I was asking that question is that uh, I think a lot of organizations now don't have a revenue operation person, and they might be thinking, all right, but that. Could be something that we should introduce because maybe indeed just like you they they are already starting systemizing stuff uh putting automation sequences here and there you know mm-hmm. helping uh, or having that person that ha- helps to have less friction but they don't have that you know that that focus on all right maybe we should have one person dedicated into revops that will do all of that instead of mm-hmm. all of us maybe kind of uh, helping here and there so um so no yeah you 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 definitely answer my question there Maybe another question um, that's also related to your personal experience, but you came from sales and then you moved to RevOps. Would it also be possible to not have any previous sales experience, in your opinion, and still do RevOps very well?
0: I would say definitely yes. As for me, the profile of our RevOps sales ops is, uh, without going to the cliches, but... Uh, uh, Deloitte, McKinsey or whatever consultant is a, is a really good ops because he's analytical, it's technical. You need to have this kind of uh, background where you need, you love crunch data, bring up insights. You have to have a deep understanding of the business. And at the same time, you have to go on the deep, uh, more deep technological, uh, technical aspects. Right. So mm-hmm. I would say it's a, it's a, it's a really benefit to have this sales approach. It's I think it's the perfect match if you already done some sales and you are technical. That's a perfect match. But you don't need man. It's not mandatory. Um, you can have some roles that are is I, I don't know forecasting and planning. You don't need that much knowledge on sales. But maybe for sales enablement, better if you if you did some, you sales, would have some sales experience. Um, but there are some roles that are so data data driven that uh, you don't need that, that, that much. But uh, to mm-hmm. be honest, um, when I talk with some peers, um, they say they like to recruit people that were, were into sales before because uh, and again, uh, that's my side. I still do sales on an everyday basis. It's true. Sh- I shouldn't, but it for me is the best way to understand what is the pain that the sales and the customers are feeling at this moment that's
1: interesting because you say you shouldn't but you still do and i see the value of doing it so why do you say you shouldn't
0: Be- uh it's not this you shouldn't it's like uh, i i how to to explain that it's not white or uh, black or white it's a uh, it's better if you have it, but it's not mandatory. Like when you have a job mm-hmm. position, you say it's preferable to have some experience sales That yeah. is, I, I wouldn't put that on the mandatory things. I would put on it's cool to have some sales experience. It's better. It's a bonus, right? Uh, yeah. But to, to, I'm super happy that I did some sales before because I can when I build stuff uh, to help the sales team, I know what I'm talking about. I know that I've been there. I, I know what's the, the friction. I know what's the pain. I know what, mm-hmm. what the customer feels at that moment. So if I understand well the customer and understand, uh, and well, my, the salespersons, this is the best way to build the right things for them. So yeah. to come back to the, I think... to the example, I, mm-hmm. I do some sales and I build the stuff also on what the pain I feel on every day and automatize stuff. I say, ah, this could be automatized. I go to the sales team, say, what do you think about that? Would it be useful for you? And then they say, yes, definitely. And it's cool because I can, I can really experiment at the same time Mm -hmm. on myself as well.
1: Yeah. What would be then your tips for people that have not had any sales experience before, but that would like to enter in, in revenue operations, how could they say that to the, to the recruiting manager or, you know, to the sales manager that? would recruit that position. Um, What would you give there as an advice for them?
0: Uh, Entering the company, do some sales for the three first months and check every every aspect of the sales cycle processes that are broken. And that will make you way more enthusiastic and excited about working to fix them, to fix those issues. Okay. So I would say that you, you have to be as you, I don't know, work in a, let's say in a supermarket, but you are in the offices, please go for one week or two weeks to see what happens on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I would suggest the same thing because you're there to back off this team. And if you don't know a clue on what they leave every day, uh, that's that's gonna be hard to work for them, you know, because you're their consultant. So you need to, yeah, they are your customer. So if you don't know your customer, uh, it's, and you don't know what he feels, uh, that's that's problematic. So I would say mini introduction to sales. You don't need to do like a career in sales to understand it, but at least an introduction to say, oh, okay, now I get it.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I like that one. Now, can you maybe give um, concrete use cases of your work to kind of visualize more the, the project that you are working on right now?
0: Sure. Um, what, in which area would you prefer to hear something? I, I, I can uh, talk about Maybe pricing. Maybe something,
1: for you example, want.
0: yeah. But it's not the best example because not every ops works on pricing, but let's start with pricing. So I basically what happens is uh, back in 2020, we had uh, a kind of uh, really rigid uh, pricing um, and uh, we said we, we need to... Revamp this pricing. And so we started a big, uh, big mission with some consultants also. Um, and, uh, basically we went from a really rigid pricing to a modular pricing that, um, helped us to increase by 40%, like by not changing anything by 37% to be precise. The, what we call the average revenue per account, ARPA. Uh, wow. and how we did that basically is just to, um, split our pricing instead of saying you have three packages. We say in within these three packages, you have four products and the, the person could choose which product they wanted. And this kind of amplified a little bit, the, the, the se- selling basket. And that was the, one of the really nice move we did. Um, and, uh, yeah this this was one of the biggest projects I worked on like back in 2020 uh-huh. um, other concrete example I think people like this one is um, what we call internally the auto pre- presentation um, so we use a tool that is called re- retool internally uh, that is a tool to build internal tools and uh, so basically Built internal what- tools. Yeah, exactly. You can type it is retool. So it go grab some data under the database and then you can build de- tools around your database. And mm-hmm. what basically what happened, we had a big pain is that, uh, we have a three step sales cycle. So we have a discovery, we have an advice and we have a closing negotiating uh, step. Okay. We have kind of yep. short cycles, but, uh, the thing is, our sales team, we want them to spend the most of their time with the customer and the least amount of time in administrative things. And so we had people complaining about how much it takes to build a presentation because we, most of the time, we are a marketplace, uh, marketing, advertising, digital agency need data to say, is it interesting for my, my agency to, to invest in your platform? We need to bring a bring up data. So what happened is back in time, um, uh, with the help of Olivier that maybe will listen to this podcast, uh, uh, it, uh, we builded, uh, uh, all the pr- a process to build a presentation instead of taking one hour and a half to go on Tableau, taking the data, putting on a presentation and so on and so forth. We brought up this tool that in some clicks, like you could do it in five minutes, you had a perfect presentation with pretty super customized data for the agency and some customized also maybe pains, challenges, goals, and and, and plans that the agency had in a presentation in five minutes. So imagine if you multiply that, we have 50 sales today. If you multiply per presentation, per 50 sales, huh? The time that we that we make uh, the, the the team uh, win was massive. massive. Um, the downside of that, if I can, because I like to speak about reality, is that uh, it's it got broken. So at a certain point, we we change your pricing, we change your branding, we have to rebuild all that, right? And mm. because of lack of time, we didn't rebuild it. So that's that's the downside of uh, those really super cool things is that they work but they get broken and you have to rebuild them or to revamp them or and that's the uh, it's kind of uh yeah, there uh, is a maintenance
1: say, uh, cost of it and Exactly. So that's Don't think that's of that thing, when you start uh, building.
0: Exactly, yes. That's that's we we we, we tend to under um, underestimate the amount of uh, work that there is after building a tool you have to maintain it, it's a massive amount of time that you have to consider also in your, in your uh, let's say project development, uh, mm-hmm. internal project development.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, but that's uh, an amazing use case. And you said also it's very, something very interesting is that you are maximizing the customer facing time. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you always take in consideration when you go into a project like this, or it really depends?
0: Uh, for me, it's rule number one. You pay sales to spend the most of the time with with customer. Uh, it's the like it's a fundamental. So in any project, you try always to remove uh, friction for them to do stuff in in any system, like HubSpot, et etc. You try to automatize stuff so that they mm-hmm. don't have to do st- uh, manual inputting, errors. You try to minimize that uh you have to think as a logistic chain you have to reduce the maximum the errors the mistakes the time that they do manual stuff so you t- automatize everything that is automatizable i don't know if the word exists. uh and you uh try to um yeah make them spend the most of the time with mm-hmm. the customer and that's a fundamental so yeah i would say that i think always about that when i build something I, for the I- system
1: I- I have maybe a, an interesting question or at least I'm interested in your point of view. But I know that um, I will call ourselves now for, for this uh, this question process engineers. I know that we process engineers like to put everything in a linear sequence. You know, you have first step one, then you have step two. There is a gap in between and you want to minimize this gap. Mm-hmm. But in sales, um, I feel that it's not linear at all. It is really multidimensionally. It goes all the way. And how do you try to cope with that or how do you still look at sales um when you're now in in that rev ups position
0: tricky question um <laughs> so the, what you mean is that for example a buyer journey doesn't ever look like discovery mm-hmm. uh let's say advice and close right he could go exactly from, he go to check it, your reviews then he go back he talk with some other customer he's not satisfying and you say that how and also how the sales I...
1: process itself can maybe take five calls instead of three, and you know how do you try to yeah how do you play with that?
0: I should think about it. I don't have an answer for you today, <laughs> uh, but to be to to give a, an answer uh, straight away, um, again there are some things that you cannot uh, uh, you know schedule or. Uh, that are not predictable for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you try to do your maximum to forecast the best way you can. You try to modelize, uh, the best you can, which uh, were, you know, conversion rates and between one step to the other. Um, you know, that your sales cycle lasts in, in average, uh, 40 days and you try to, to stick to those, let's say the figures. And then we know that customers are human and it's irrational and it can go on on, all the ways you know Mm -hmm. but you always try to my answer would be stick with the process what i mean by that but because if you if you put a process and you know that in x percent of the time you you it's successful and you try to improve that over time for me is the best way to go right because Mm -hmm. uh, there are all these externalities as you uh, say and all those things that you cannot predict that in it, you, you won't ever be able to do it. So you're doing the best with what you have and with the system that you implement and try to iterate to make it better every time. So to to talk more concretely, for example, we introduced beginning of the year, a new sales process and new sales methodology. So we involve all the teams uh, and uh, account executive mainly because it was for new business uh, sales uh, and uh we drafted together with three workshop what is the all the steps that the the buyer goes through during his uh, okay selling process, right? And they say, Oh, they do that, they go to Google, they go to our trust pilot reviews to check our reviews, they maybe contact and we put all that in a map. And so we started to say, How can we, the best, you know, uh. Accompany or accommodate
1: their buying. Yeah. yeah.
0: How can we help this person go from one step to the other? Um, instead of, you know, trying to push him, just helping go to one step to the other. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So we build that. And that's from, from there, it helps me understand what is now the real process. If everyone follows and I know exactly what is the conversion rate within one step to the other and. Mm And yeah, I think that's the the best way to go is to hear also what your sales have, has to say. Otherwise you build a rigid system that nobody follows. And that's the worst thing it can happen. If you hear what they have to say and how it happens, really, maybe you can, how do you say, um, try to be as near as possible to the reality. As you said, maybe it's five calls, not three, two. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, that's the,
1: the way I go. There's always an, an average uh, that that is true. Mm-hmm. When exactly. you when you work on a on a project like retool, like the pricing strategy, now you implemented a new sales methodology, sales process. What made you think of those projects in the first place? Did you look in the data and you saw there's some irregularity, a, a gap that was too big, perhaps, and you thought, hmm, maybe we should work on that? Or what's what's the process behind that?
0: Um, most of the time, we start with some discussion. Maybe you, with uh, my manager, with the CEO, we try to check data where are, where are the frictions. Maybe churn is going up. Let's analyze that. Let's see how we can reduce that churn. This is how we always start with data. So we have a really deep knowledge of what's going on on our platform, with uh, thanks to. Uh, Tableau, we have BI tool that really enable us to see everything, to pilot the, the activities and so on and so forth. Um, so everything starts from the data. Um, and uh, starting from there, for example, why we started to work on pricing? Because we analyzed the fact that we were selling too much the first, let's say the bronze uh, tier. So we were really selling every time the the, the, mm. the minimum tier and was representing too much of our customer base. And we had also an issue of churn with that plan because it wasn't the best performing plan. Mm-hmm. So we said, how can we value. find a way, how might we build a new pricing system that better distribute people between these tiers and make them more successful? Because we know that in upper tiers, they are more successful and they churn less. So basically, that's why we worked on pricing, for example. Um, to give you another other example of... Uh, I don't have any other example for now, no.
1: No, no, but that's a very good example. I, I like it. And you mm-hmm. also mentioned a couple of times that you you guys are using Tableau as really the that one true source of data. And so mm-hmm. I have to ask, um, because I... I know that data is super important for, I mean, for, for anyone that is in revenue operations. And so what would be for you, like the most important metric KPI or the thing that you check weekly, because it is just that important for the business.
0: Mm, For us is MRR. So monthly recurring revenue. Um, yeah, that's definitely the one that I check the most. So how is evolving every, and what, what I call net new MRR. So basically is to understand how much we're growing. So is, uh all the new MRR uh, minus, uh, churn minus churn minus downgrades okay. uh, plus expansion. So uh, it's an equation of four metrics. Uh, it's new plus expansion minus churn minus downgrade. So this is for me the best metric you can follow because it's really what matters because it's an equation of all the metrics you need to check. Um, mm-hmm. And if your churn is really high, mm, you can sell as much as you can as much as you want but that's for me is the first metric you want to fix right so um yeah so net new mrr what we call it uh yeah i think in the jargon of uh subscription yeah, businesses
1: yeah. yeah mrr i've heard it uh i mean so many times before but the net new aspect of it you know making it a a sum of, of four different factors uh interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um if i mean you said it earlier as well that um, as a revops, you you also I mean you had data, you had processes, and you have tools. And so, uh, talking about that tool aspect, because I know that the sales tech landscape ha- I mean is immense. Uh, I mean it's it, huge. It's, it's, it's growing <laughs> with uh, with time so fast. So how do you try to uh, create visibility in what is relevant, what is not relevant, or how do you start and, and, you know, uh, think of tools.
0: Um, I like to put it in another way It's I always start with what is the biggest pain that the sales team is having right now. Um, see if we can, I can build a process, uh, and process means like, I don't know, let's say that we, they want a compensation plan, let's say. Uh, because they want to be incentivized to close the, and you want to drive your activities to sell more of this type of plan, for example. We, we're launching right, right now a new plan and it's called value based, uh, plan. Uh, so it's more based on the value. So a new pricing again, but, uh, I won't talk <laughs> about that today. Um, and we have to do maybe a new compensation plan. Imagine, and we don't have any compensation plan. What I would do is to say, okay, what would be the process? You have to one see all the sales they've done. You have to report them on a something, etc. So I build a process. Then I see what would be the methodology to 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 operate around that. And if needed, I implement a tool. But if needed, because sometimes okay you want I don't and we don't start with the tool because uh, maybe a spreadsheet is enough and it's working perfectly fine, right? And again, a spreadsheet is a tool, but uh, is kind of the the, 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 most, uh, uh, let's say extensive or flexible to ever. And so, and then I start with a spreadsheet when it gets broken, then I check, okay, that's the step number two. We say, okay, this process is broken. It's really too manual. It gets, uh, a lot of errors. So let's see if there is any a cost solution related for, to that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. The costs, maintenance, again, issues, uh, human, salary because you have to pay the person that manually check all these. True. So I, I, I see if I can externalize that. And most of the time I, I, to be honest, I go to this platform that you may aware uh, might be aware of is G2 or uh, Captera that actually mm-hmm. reference a lot of SaaS. Uh It's like, a, it's, it, they're doing the same thing as us actually, but for software we do for right service providers, B2B service providers. And, um, so I use my my same let's say company, but for other matters, <laughs> uh, and definitely help a lot to find out what's the best for you and what is the most reviewed and so on and so forth. Uh, but and uh, I use a lot Product Hunt as well. I uh, mm-hmm. don't know if you're aware of, but uh, yeah, yeah. lovely, lovely marketplace to see what are the new trends, new things, and so on, and then. Uh, there is a lot of referrals as, as well. I mean, there are some or sales that contacts me a lot. Also, I have a lot of sales <laughs> outreaching to, to sell them. I was actually gonna to ask that question
1: solution. because yeah, you you uh, you do like to go on those call and discover what they have to say, or do you say no time, only no. what I needed?
0: I really, I definitely uh, don't like to. I I'm kind of the the buyer that loves to. And I, I think as a lot of buyers today, uh, they love to, I like to put hands on things, try it by myself, mm. uh, see if, uh, it brings value because as I, I was a sales for five years. So I know what, what I like, what I don't like. Uh, and so all the tools today or the SaaS that have any freemium or free trial or whatever, these one are the one that will win, uh, me. Why? Because otherwise I can not, cannot test it I cannot bring my team to test it if if they want to see if the it has value for them or not mm-hmm. and most and that's for me maybe is my best answer is before implementing any tool I make sure I don't want to impose any tool to my team I make sure that actually I go check to my team and say are you using any free tool right now and they I discovered that they were using for example uh, are you aware of Apollo? It's kind of a prospection tool. Yeah. Like Lucia, you have some data enrichment, you can send sequences. And they were using the free version and there were three of them. So if I can identify usage in my team that they already adopt tools, mm-hmm. that's the best way to do it. Because if they naturally goes towards something, it means that they have a pain that they're trying to solve with a tool. And then I'm more than happy to buy licenses there. And instead of me proactively going to search for the new solution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for me, because one of the biggest pain as a RevOps you have, one of the biggest challenges is adoption uh, for tools, is um, make sure that everyone is using well the tool, making sure that everybody's maximizing the, let's say, the, the value they get out of this tool. So if they they or naturally go through our tool, that's the best uh, best thing ever.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's adoption in the three, in the three elements, right? Data processes, tools. They can maybe not fill in their CRM and the the data that you need. Maybe they don't, uh, work according to the process that you designed. But again, that's, that's also interesting feedback for you, I guess, uh, to know how you can still work around it. I mean, yeah, is it then, is it then the sales that need to adapt or is it you that should adapt, uh, you know, the internal processes, systems and tools? It's, um, who, Is it an adoption issue, or is it just an implementation? um, You know that is too challenging for the team. That's also maybe a. Um,
0: I try to do my best to set things that uh, is the easiest for them. But at a certain point, systems are kind of rigid. So I've learned uh, with talking with people is that it's always easier to adapt the people to the system than the other way around. Yeah. Uh, because it can be really costly to really too much work on the system. Uh, so if you train those people and you, uh, incentivize those people to say, okay, this is for you. I mean, I, I'm not imposing you anything is, uh, is for your best is to reach your goals is to reach your quota. And this is, by the way, I have this power user, this sales that is using the, the solution and he increased by 20% his win rate this, uh, this last quarter. What do you think about it? You know, this is how we, you bring up things because mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, if you just say, take this tool, use it, it won't work because people have a lot of friction, uh, a, lo- a lot of internal objection about why I should use the tool. I have a yeah, concrete distrust. example yeah. is Mojo is uh, like Gong is a conversation intelligence tool. Uh, we had some hard times to implement it because, uh, People sometimes were reluctant to record their calls, you know, as we're doing now. They don't mm-hmm. want to maybe show to everybody how uh, they maybe they are shy. They don't they don't want to bother the customer to ask him, is it okay to record? All these things you have to educate the the team to 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 be uh, at their ease to do that. So it took a lot of time. Now it's working really well, um, but it took some time. So it's a kind of. Um, I would say maybe not at that, that far, but it, sometimes you have to do some psychological role. You know, you have to make sure <laughs> that you understand them. What is the deep root cause of why you're not using that one? Yeah, uh, because it can and uh, and and it takes time. It takes time, and but I, it's super rewarding when it works at the end.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a very interesting insight, and and again, you maybe have answered to my uh, my next questions because um, I had a question prepared, which is. What mistakes have you made in the past that, uh, have taught you a lot? Maybe that would be an answer, but maybe, uh, maybe you can still come with another answer.
0: Um, I think I, yeah, the, 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 one of the mistake I've done is to build stuff on my side, like, be, be, and not verifying that there was a real pain. So I I think could apply to product, huh? but in as we are building product, let's say product or tools for in for my customer, the salesperson, mm-hmm. always verify that there is a real issue, a real problem before building anything. So uh I now I don't remember what was exactly use case. But yeah, but definitely I builded something that nobody ever used. So it's, it was kind of depressing because I, I worked that for a few days and it was like, I was so excited. Huh? And <laughs> I, I, I remember now it's a ROI, a ROI calculator for agencies.
1: Okay? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so I, I worked on that on a spreadsheet. Cool. Uh, looks super nice, super neat because I've, I found that some other companies were doing that. And actually launch it. I was so excited about it. Adoption like, maybe two, three people use it once, twice, thrice, and that's it, you know? And that's kind of depressing. You say, okay, maybe I I didn't pinpoint the the, real pain. I didn't ask them if they really need it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I felt that they were needing it, but actually not. So always, always talk with your team. Talk with the management of your team and ask them what is the biggest challenge or the the biggest pains they're having right now and build around Mm -hmm. it, because otherwise it's a big mistake to try to to build a cool next thing that nobody will use.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you see there the the same principles as uh, design thinking that you would use in a product development setting. Mm -hmm. Here again, also, because yeah, as you said, your customers is the sales team uh, or the revenue team in general. And so you should understand uh, what their pains are. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe um, um, one last question is, uh, I mean, you are pretty knowledgeable about RevOps, but it's still kind of new. So where do you go to learn more about that? How, where do you find uh, great resources?
0: Um, I googled it at the beginning. <laughs> I start by Google, uh, and now definitely there are the communities helps me a lot. So if I f- could choose maybe two, uh, one is French, for the French speaker is a, a business operation network. So. 90% of the people there are from French scale ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for me, it's uh, super cool. Uh, there are so so much, like what, for me, it's the best community out there for for ops. Uh, and then there is another one more US based, but it's at, it's more advanced, I would say, because they are more advanced than us in Europe. It's <laughs> uh, RevOps Co-Ops. Uh, I can okay. maybe send it to you so you can link it, but it's RevOps uh space co uh comma uh not comma but uh tiret, ops. Yeah. and okay. um these are the community i i used to then i would recommend if they ha- want to get a taste of what it is go to ops they have a training about, Opspot, about rev ops about
1: RevOps. okay they have
0: also a community and i will go there to have a, a taste of what it is uh and um yeah that,
1: yeah that's, that's a good way uh, I, to start you have talked about uh, the difference between sales enablement and revops, but what would you say about sales and manager versus uh, revops? I like that question, and uh, uh,
0: so a lot of people ask this question, definitely. And I like to do analogy, analogies, uh, metaphors, and if you think, go back in time with uh, Spartans in Greece; uh, those were warriors. I think them as the sales people. The individual contributors. Um, and then you have people on the horse, the generals that actually help those people, uh, to motivate them, coach them. They're on the field. They don't, they're not always battling, but they help them maybe to better, uh, do go to battle. Uh, and so definitely coach them, motivate them. This is the sales manager for me. And, uh, I'm in the background, maybe in a little, place where I definitely I don't go to, to the field, but I I, I build the weapons that are the best for this battle uh, that, for example, uh, and this would be the tools, I, I would say, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I also help them strategize the battle. So I know that in the previous six or seven battles, we attacked from left uh, and we won nine times out of ten, right? So that's something I would definitely say guys we should we should do that this is the process we will follow in this battle sure. and last but not least is uh also more in the sales enablement side as we did, said did, said it before is all the new warriors that want to join forces uh i onboard them and i train them to become to be make them uh, and i and knowledge them to make them uh Wires that they can go to battle after. So this is the analogy I like to do between the difference between ops that is really helping in the back, in the background versus the field where there you have sales manager and sales that are battling every day in this war. Yeah. I like
1: that. I like that analogy. Exactly. Yes. Thanks for that. All right. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if people want to chat with you about RevOps, if they want to meet you, where, where would you send them to?
0: Mm, LinkedIn. Classic answer. But definitely Andrea <laughs> Balducci on, on LinkedIn. I post a lot on about RevOps, um, uh, but also about agency, about sales. So if uh they want to connect, feel free. I can I can uh, definitely
1: recommend to to follow Andrea for RevOps content because that's also what pushed me to to invite him on the show. Uh very, cool. very good content, Andrea. Thank you so very much good approach Eden, and uh was really very- no, yeah
0: to be here. No, not finished. Okay, I have I
1: have one last question, and you okay. you uh, might like this one. But uh, actually, if Andrea was a brand, what would it stand for?
0: Ooh, um, that's a tricky question. So what 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 would be my mission? My my why? Right? Yeah. Okay. Um. Professionally talking, or no? again in the private life, I'd say what what I stand. Yeah, for in my it, it can life. be
1: both. Really, it's uh, it's indeed. Suppose that Andrea is not here anymore, and five years later, we still think of Andrea that way because that was you. That was your brand.
0: Tricky question. Uh, I would say the the person. I mean, Andrea. I stand for um, actually helping people doing their best thanks to technology. Let's say to give them superpowers. I like really the analogy. I don't know if you see the Mario, the flower, and then you have Super Mario, right? I (laughs) like to think of how I I want every day to make people become this Super Mario. And how I do that is through the flower, right? Okay. I bring them the flower so they become this Super Mario. So and that's what I stand for, uh, is to to have, you know, enabling people to do their job better and business yeah. people, I would say, marketing, sales, and, and customer success. And this, again, goes through technology, data, processes, automation. And this is yeah. what I stand for.
1: Um, I like it. No, I will yeah. take that answer. Providing the superpowers. (laughs) Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, I wish you the best of luck.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day and uh, excited to see what is the result of this podcast. (laughs)